sitting on top of the world. <laughs> I was, oh my god, I was about to do that. <laughs> Just moving along. Just moving along. That's how you start your fucking giant monster movie. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Macaringo. Hey, that's me. And this is the first Waffle Press retrospective of 2021. Happy New Year. Everything is going great and nothing is wrong with the world. But Matt, how are you? What are we here to talk about today? What, uh, what, We're here monkeys? To t- <laughs> We're here to talk about, uh... Peter Jackson's follow-up to the most Academy Award-winning film of all time, which is a remake of King Kong. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember watching it for the first time? Did Was it a theater viewing or was it a home viewing? Yeah, oh, not not only do I remember watching this, I remember the fucking hype around this movie. This was a big deal movie. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember... Um, it being a big deal, I remember the box office being disappointing, and for the first time in my life, me recognizing that, because I went, either the Friday or Saturday it opened, and the theater was empty except for, like, me. <laughs> mm. See, I have no memory of any of that. Like, I didn't know if that, like, I, I, I guess I was looking, I'm looking at the box office now, and I guess it didn't make as much as they thought it would. <laughs> Um, three-hour monster movie. I guess <laughs> they didn't expect it to make only five hundred and sixty million dollars. And not not to interrupt, uh, but like with inflation, I think that's like the most successful monster movie in the history of Hollywood. It might be. It so, might be. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it was like it was like a huge home video movie because it was also one of the movies that they were like selling this brand new format that was about to take the nation by storm. And I'm, of course, talking about HD DVD. <laughs> I remember that. I remember like Red H- versus Blue. That's what I remember. I, I, just, I just remember HD DVD was like, we've got fucking King Kong. We got the fucking Matrix movies on HD DVD. And then Blu-ray was like, we've got porn. <laughs> And Talladega Nights, <laughs> Blu-ray one. <laughs> so, uh, oh, just a, just a sidebar. Yeah. My favorite thing about those Blu-ray and HD DVD commercials on DVDs were always like the pictures cleaner than ever, and it's like I'm still watching on DVD. How the fuck am I gonna yeah. tell all the difference? <laughs> it's just like they put a line down the middle of the screen, and it's just like this is your <laughs> shitty DVD that you're about to watch, and then over here is the Blu-ray capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always fantastic. I've been I've been watching some older movies, and there's a lot of those ads on those DVDs. Oh, it's so funny! It's the fucking yeah. best. I mean, I I have that too with the old like VHS tapes from like right around the turn where it was happening. It's like get the DVD sound, and like, they suddenly like they echo it. And it's like, oh, I guess it'll sound better. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, so I I have no memory of it being uh not super as successful as they wanted who fucking knows i don't have i don't really give a shit about any of that i just remember 
that right after Peter Jackson won all those Oscars for uh, Return of the King, I was a big reader of Entertainment Weekly back in the day. And they did a cartoon of a giant Peter Jackson on top of the Empire State Building holding the Oscar. Wow. And it was like, and it's like, and Peter Jackson's next project is a remake of King Kong. And it was like, oh, that'll be fun. And I just remember, like, from that moment, it was kind of like, when is this fucking movie going to happen? <laughs> and it was, I, I just remember being super excited. And that was the year 2005. It was the two movies that were hyped for me, where, believe it or not, one of them was not Revenge of the Sith. But uh, it was War of the Worlds and King Kong. It was like these two remakes of classic science fiction and monster movies. <laughs> And I was super excited for that from A-list directors. And uh, I remember uh, that year I liked King Kong more. I think I'm at the point there where I probably like War of the Worlds and King Kong probably equally. <laughs> so, but I remember like King Kong being like a big surprise. I remember that trailer. Do you remember that first trailer for King Kong? I don't, but I remember being hype as fuck from it. <laughs> I just remember, well, it's like, it's a great trailer because it was one of those like, because I, you know, this is before... At least I was on the internet. <laughs> I'm sure it was going around on message boards, but this was in the era where I still saw movie previews when I went to the movies. And it starts out, it's like New York City Depression era, and it's Jack Black. It's comedy superstar Jack Black. And it's like, oh, what is this, a new comedy? <laughs> and he's like, gotta get the crew on the ship within the hour, and it's like all this hype. And like they, like they it's slowly you start figuring out this is the fucking King Kong movie that's coming. And it was the reveal where like King Kong shows up at the very end of the trailer, and it's a King it's a King Kong that was not the finalized version, and it looks very different than the King Kong that was in the movie. Oh, really? I don't remember yeah, that you can at still all. Find it. It's still up. Uh, they have the the original Kong, which is mostly just like he kind of had like a darker complexion. They didn't give him like the snaggletooth mouth mm. or anything like that. Um, and it just says like King Kong coming this Christmas or whatever. <laughs> Um, and they also had clips that would not end up being in the final version of the movie because Peter Jackson shot a movie that was too fucking long. And at some point they realized there's just seven scenes of monsters attacking people in a row. <laughs> so let's cut some of those out because it had the fish attack scene, which is not in the theatrical version of the movie. Um, but that's in the trailer. And I just remember being super hyped for it. And I loved it, and I liked this movie, and I feel like it's a people have like a mixed opinion on this movie. Uh, and I will give a I will I'm planning on giving a very spirited defense of this movie. Okay, good, because I think this is like in competition for Peter Jackson's best film. Um, I'm not sure if I'll go that far, but I love this movie. <laughs> I mean, how do you top Meet the Feebles? Eat me, you man stealing. On some days, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is his masterpiece. And then I remember the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, no, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and, and even like the Frighteners, which I, I finally saw, which is terrific, you know. Uh, he, he's mm-hmm. he, he's got some bangers, and uh, of course, everyone's favorite, bad taste. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, bad taste rules. No, that that is actually a super fun movie to watch. Now, all the like old, it's just funny when it's like the director of Bad Taste is going to go on to make the movie. 
that will win more Oscars than any other film. Yeah, I, I think it was tied with Titanic, right? Or no, it, it, it did surpass it, right? I, I thought it had more. I thought it had more. Okay, okay. I know it was eventually tied at some point, but it, no one cares about whatever it was tied it with. It either tied or has more, but the big other thing was that it was a clean sweep. They won every move. They won every category they were nom- nominated for that year. Yeah, yeah. So, which was another big deal. Yeah. And, and Spielberg was the one who gave uh, the Best Picture Oscar that year, so. There you go. Happy Amblin. Steve. <laughs> Happy Amblin, hey. <laughs> Um, and then Peter Jackson has not made a good movie since this, which is really depressing. Yeah, so when you mentioned that that Empire cartoon, which I had not seen, um, with Peter Jackson literally on top of the world with the Oscars of the Empire mm-hmm. State Building, that that is in some ways uh, unfortunate foreshadowing. Sit, sitting on top, top of the world. <laughs> but, you know, much, Sorry, I'm keep much like King Kong, he too was shot down from the top of the Empire State Building. Just like State Humpty Building. Dumpty. Oh, my God. Just like Humpty Dumpty <laughs> um, leaning to fall. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I love Peter Jackson. I, I do want to see him come back to do something uh, yeah. good again. Well, it was like there was that... He, there was just those years where, like, he was kind of in the wilderness where, like, he took over the lovely bones at, like, the last second from what's-her-name? Uh, Lynn Ramsey, right? Who made, uh, yeah, yeah, Lynn Ramsey was going to do it, and then Peter Jackson kind of, like, stole it from her. Mm, yeah. Which is a little fucked up, cause, but it was kind of one of those things where I think the studio kind of didn't want her version of it, and then Peter Jackson, they wanted his, and then his version's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that um, keeps happening to Lynn Ramsey. Not to make this a Lynn Ramsey podcast, but what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't know what that's yeah, about. Gr- if you don't uh, know her work, go go check her out. She's she's a really terrific director. It's almost like they indulge the egos of directors that are men more than they indulge the egos of directors that are women. Hmm, I don't know why you would bring that up or say that. Uh, let me just look at the entire hey. history of cinema. Yeah, and then but like remember he was going to do that Halo movie for a little bit. Yeah, of course that. And, oh, that was huge that, for me. My boy yeah. from Lord of the Rings yeah. and King Kong doing Halo next? What could go wrong? And then it never happened. And then that just turned into District 9. Yeah, which I still like. I know, I think the tide kind of turned on that one a little bit, but... I like District yeah, 9. I, like I understand that, like, the fucking politics are kind of a mess, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, There is not another movie like District 9. <laughs> so that's, I'm, that's always my defense of movies that maybe aren't perfect is like you will not see another movie like District 9. Yeah. And it's one of those um, movies that also has like a lot of passion behind it, which is also like Peter Jackson's thing with even like King yeah. Kong which rewatching it now at my age, now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of like a mess in between stuff, but again, I also did just say this might be his masterpiece, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> or like there's moments yeah. in King Kong where I'm like this like a 3 second thing that almost stops the scene dead in its tracks that any editor worth their salt would have taken out, but also I don't care. <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot of stuff where it's like, well, if you, if you tighten this a little bit, it would be a lot smoother. But you can tell that Peter Jackson was like, I fought to keep that in the movie. And it's but it's also clear that like the only thing they seemed to have fought him on was the runtime. <laughs> Because he shot a movie that was too fucking long. Yeah. Do you know the original runtime for this? The original runtime is 187 minutes. And the, the extended cut is only 200 minutes. So they only made him cut around, you know, 13 minutes of the movie. Yeah. But, like, that was, like, the one thing where they're like, we're cutting that. Like, yeah. you are not making a 
two hundred minute long fucking King Kong movie. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. He did. I mean, it it's really is like a like an old school like epic, you know. Like it, it feels like mm-hmm. a cinematic epic, like in a way that I think movies nowadays aren't allowed to feel because they're just not for like because the audience need to be engaged with like something viscerally happening on screen all the time you know and that's not on the audiences that's definitely more on the the producers and the money bags behind all this bullshit but like when's the last like film epic or like at least a film that feels like it could fit in the the epic like genre like maybe blade runner 2049 uh yeah blade runner a little bit the new blade runner i I will say, and I want to say that it kind of doesn't come close to these films, but it got a little close. I would say Star Wars The Last Jedi um, definitely kind of had like an epic feel to it. It doesn't really get there. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things that I feel like are holding it back, but it kind of was the thing that got me excited. I'm like, wow, Star Wars really does have the potential to be the new epic series. Yeah. And then they decided not to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, also just like the, uh, I mean, not, not to, to dismantle your point, but like that the film takes place in the course of like a day or two, you know, which kind of makes yeah, it, that's... it kind of truncates the epic thing. Like even without like the hiccups mm-hmm. once in a while in that film. Uh, it, yeah. I, I think maybe that puts a stop to it. I would say, honestly, uh, love it or hate it. I, it's not really important but like avatar like the structure of that is very like everyone knows what it's similar to but like it, it does kind of yeah. harken back to that like old hollywood He's definitely at least trying to be that i have yet to rewatch avatar um for like any like I, i've been meaning to and i just kind of haven't yeah yeah i mean like it, it doesn't even matter if, if someone likes it or not like i i think that fits better than a lot of other stuff you know what i mean you know what should have been an epic movie and wasn't unfortunately a movie i like Hmm. but alita battle angel yeah that's a movie that should have been like a three and a half hour epic yeah yeah (laughs) and rodriguez could have made it work i love alita battle angel but uh i love Alita Battle Angel too but i'm just saying that it would have been a perfect movie if it was three and a half hours long yeah i don't plan for a trilogy just do should have just done an all-in-one movie yeah well, I mean, even then, like I've read that that manga, you like even if you did three three hour movies, you probably couldn't do that whole story. Oh, really? Wow, I have not. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, and it's only nine volumes, but they pack a lot into those nine volumes, and they tried their best. Like, here, like the thing that like they kind of fucked up was that uh, the what's the sport in it? Rollerball, right? Yeah, Rollerball. Well, no, Rollerball's the movie. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Yeah, never mind. Um, whatever. It's the, the Rollerball-esque sport. <laughs> is, like, that is, I want to say, volume three of the manga. And that storyline doesn't happen until after What's-His-Name's-Dead. The boy that she falls in love oh, with. Oh, wow. So they really kind of yeah. remix the whole thing. Yeah, and, and that, his death comes his, that storyline comes after uh that main villain character dies um the fucking evil robot that's like eating brains or whatever oh yeah <laughs> yeah the the guy which is i think the brain eating is more in the manga but 
because uh, he's like addicted to whatever chemicals are in people's brains because of all the body modifications he's done. Oh wow, that's a and normal book. Like, that manga is a lot more episodic, and I like it was one of those things where like I think Alita made the right choice by combining that evil robot story with uh, the fucking Hugo story. I think those two stories really work put together. Um, but the the rollerball story is like a completely different thing. But you kind of have to do it because it's like the coolest thing that happens in that series. <laughs> it's like if you made an Alita Battle Angel movie without that, you'd be like, well, you know, it was cool, but it was missing this key ingredient, but it also doesn't fit with the story they were telling. Because she gets into the sport as like a response to Hugo's death. Where she's like, I'm just going to fucking play the sport and just turn off my brain so I don't have to think about that guy. Oh, okay, okay. Jai Courtney had a cameo in Alita Battle Angel? Yeah, yeah, he's one of the, the half-robot people. He was a motorball champion, so it was motorball. Ah, uh, there we go. Motorball, rollerball, kongball. Same difference. Um... <laughs> That, none of that has anything to do with King Kong. No, no. <laughs> it's not like, you know, we just said we let, like Other than, you you know who, this is why, like, I love Robert Rodriguez. And it's one of those things where, like, I kind of, this is one of those things where, like, I kind of wish James Cameron hadn't gone to do the Avatar sequels. Because it was that thing of, like, he had Avatar and he had the rights to Battle Angel. And it kind of came down to, like, the 11th hour of, like, which project is the one I'm going to do that I'm going to use to show off all my special effects, right? Mm-hmm. And at, like, the last minute, he was like, I'm going to do Avatar, and I'll save Battle Angel for later. And then after Avatar comes out and is the fucking highest-grossing film of all time, <laughs> he's like, all right, I'm going to make the sequels of that. And the Battle Angel got put on the back burner again. And I feel like what I wish had happened had been, like, a kind of Lord of the Rings king kong situation where it was like i made avatar i am now going to take all the clout from avatar and throw it into a three and a half hour adaptation of battle angel and i wish he had done that instead of kind of go into avatar sequel world um but robert Rodriguez did a fine job i loved like of if you're going to do the slick fast version of battle angel robert Rodriguez is the perfect guy to do it yeah yeah i mean that's why i was so excited that the... uh they got him for the mandalorian and i guess he was a last minute yeah. replacement on that episode and it's like oh, he, oh he's shit. like you know that's that's like the the weakest one of that season but like the action is so <laughs> good you could tell it's like oh yeah that he he that's why they got him cuz he can just do that yeah. like nobody's business you know, it's not his fault. It had the most boring shit ever in it, but whatever, whatever. Yeah. He, he should just be doing all of the Mandalorian, frankly. He, he's doing something else. I, I don't know if you know. I'm sure you do, but. I don't. Okay. What is he doing? We don't we don't have time to get into that. We'll have, that, we'll have to save that what, for the Star he, Wars one. He's doing a new Spy Kids, right? He's doing a new Spy Kids, but he, he's doing a Star Wars Oh, thing. he's doing the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing the Book of Boba Fett. I mean, fine, there, that's the guy you get to do the Book of Boba yeah, Fett. Yeah, like, that's why that sounds, like, fun. If you just say the Book of Boba mm-hmm. Fett to me, I'll be like, all right, I'm just going to stick to the Mandalorian. I don't give a shit. It, what what it really should say, whenever they release a poster for it, it should say, Robert Rodriguez's Star Wars, the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, fuck you. I'll make that poster if they don't. <laughs> yeah. It should, Robert Rodriguez's name should be bigger than Boba Fett. Yeah. Like... That's how you sell that fucking movie. <laughs> and just let them go crazy with it. They won't, but they should. Hey, um, hey, hey if, if John Favreau is like 
in his corner because he has like carte blanche at Disney now. I I think he could yeah. he can get like inventive with it in ways the other people just don't know how to. We'll see. I don't know. Favreau is like a wild card to me because yeah. it's like he did. It's like he did Jungle Book, but he also did Lion King. <laughs> like he did Iron Man one, but he also did Iron Man two. Like that's every John Favreau thing to me. <laughs> Man, we're going a lot of tangents already. This is going to be a fucking 200-minute episode. <laughs> this will be our King Kong. <laughs> yes. Why did Peter Jackson make King Kong? Because it's his favorite movie. Um, from what, I, At least I think that's what it is. Uh, I remember watching the, doc, the behind-the-scenes stuff, because this was another one of those DVDs that came fucking packed with behind-the-scenes documentaries. We're like, yeah, we built a whole new soundstage just for Kong. <laughs> like, they put a lot of money into this. And try, there's a story where, like, he tried to remake King Kong when he was nine years old. <laughs> he made, like, his own model Kong in, a, in a top, the top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> and he did some stop-motion stuff, but, like, never finished it. Um, so it's, like, been, like, this thing. And then there was, you know, in the 90s, they almost had him do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was going to touch uh, on that, but... he uh, They wanted him for Curse of the, from the Black Lagoon, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, I mean. And he said no. And it's like, well, we also have King Kong. And he was like, oh, shit, I want to do King Kong. And they were getting really close to doing it. And then uh, fucking that Godzilla remake was announced and Mighty Joe Young was announced. And they were both going to kind of get out before King Kong was even in production. And they were like, we don't want to be after those guys. So then they canceled the project. And so it's like, it's like you know, this uh, it's like this white whale of Peter Jackson's where it's like, I got to get back to King Kong. And he was able to get back to it by making... A trilogy of films that changed the face of motion pictures forever and won more Oscars than any other film ever. <laughs> but did you know that he originally turned down the offer to do King Kong? Mm. Yeah, because he was like, I don't know. Like, it's it's his favorite film. and It's like his Star Wars inspired him to become a filmmaker. And then apparently, this is a quote from him, quickly became disturbed by the fact that someone else would take it over and make it into a terrible film. <laughs> that haunted me, and I eventually said yes to Universal, end quote. <laughs> so. Was this for the first time he did it, or uh, the second time? Uh, I think this was the, uh, around 1995, so this is before okay. it, it got uh, canned. Okay. Because yeah. I was going to say, if it was the second time, he was going like, mm, I don't know, just waiting for them to be like, we'll let you do anything. <laughs> and then he was like, I'm on board. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was bullshitting. He was just seeing how much he could get out of Universal. Universal was like, we'll fucking give you fucking 200 plus million dollars for a fucking monster movie. You can put in whatever you want. Fucking Andy Serkis is going to be on set in a gorilla costume. Fucking fine. Like, oh, do whatever. You're going to have people read aloud from fucking Heart of Darkness for no reason. <laughs> like, well, you know what else stalled the project? The ape related remake project. Planet of the Apes that Tim Burton was working on. Oh yeah. yeah, which which Peter Jackson was also signed on at some point. <laughs> um, That's just like Peter a cursed film. Person. Yeah, you should really one of these days. Anyone out there, you should take the time to read up on all the other versions of Planet of the Apes that almost happened. Because like they kept getting these like auteur filmmakers in to either like direct or write a script. Like Oliver Stone wrote a screenplay. For Planet of the Apes. Jesus. And and I think it was either Stones or Peter Jackson that was like, it's going to be Planet of the Apes, but it's going to be the Renaissance. 
Like, that was, like, their idea. And then they would talk to the executives at Fox, and they'd be like, what if apes were hosting a talk show? <laughs> and, and, like, like, so it was this weird clash of, like, these directors who wanted to do really heady ideas. Because if you watch those original uh, Planet of the Apes movies, they actually kind of have some pretty heady ideas going on. And they're kind of very early uh, post-apocalypse dying Earth films. Yeah, yeah. And they're very fascinating. And, uh, they like, so all these directors kind of wanted to, like, do kind of what I think Peter Jackson ends up doing with King Kong here. And then the executives would be like, they literally pitched a version that was like, there's an ape baseball team and they're missing a player. So they need a human to come in to play baseball. That was an actual pitch from a Fox executive. (laughs) That is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, and there's about a million stories like that. I I am so upset right now. (laughs) And then Peter, and then fucking Tim Burton comes in and is like, I want to do a version where the guy actually falls in love with the ape. Like that was Peter Jackson's take is that there's going to be an ape human romance. And the studio said no. And then he was like, fine, I'll just do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all subtext. (laughs) Wait, no, was Peter Jackson said that or Tim Burton? Tim Burton did okay. that. That was Tim Burton's. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, because that's still, like, in the movie, but it's not in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it was supposed to be in the movie. <laughs> so. Oh, Tim uh, Burton. Yeah. Oh, Tim. That's somehow, like, arguably your worst movie, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> I, I I just can't go that far, because I've seen his, his no, other he- stuff. <laughs> You know what's the only thing that makes Alice in Wonderland worse than it? Uh, There's no one thing. That's the problem. No, no. There's one very specific thing, in my opinion. Um, You can disagree, but the very specific thing for me is that the Planet of the Apes remake has fucking amazing Rick Baker makeup. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it was like the last time Rick Baker was allowed to go crazy. Yeah, that that shit looks incredible. It still holds up really well. It holds up huge today. And it's like, it's one of those things where like, if you you go right now, if you stop watching this, um, which you shouldn't, but uh, (laughs) if you go, go watch the King Kong trailer because it's awesome, but then go watch that first Planet of the Apes trailer that they released for the Tim Burton one. And you're like, how the fuck is this movie bad? (laughs) Like, it's like, this is impossible. Like, even if it's like kind of a mess, it's still got to be interesting. And then you watch it and it's like, how is this this bad? (laughs) Like, Unlike King Kong, which is... Unlike King Kong, which we keep almost getting to. I don't know why we're we're having... Maybe I respect it too much. I don't want to fuck this up. Well, there's just so much to talk about with it, I, I argue. I think we're talking about just, like, the atmosphere. Because it's like we're also talking about Hollywood that, you know, is only maybe 15 years ago, but it's also a Hollywood that doesn't fucking exist anymore. Yeah. like, But it's the Hollywood that made the horrible Hollywood we know right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is, like, the and seeds it, of of potential greatness and then what eventually becomes, like, bastardized, I guess. Well, it's like this thing of, like, when this movie comes out, it's like, Peter Jackson made a three-hour King Kong. Everyone's like, no. (laughs) Everyone's like, what the fuck? Who let him make the movie this long? Who met him, like, who let this man do his passion project, you know? 
Like, there's like a real attitude of like, who, why would anyone but Peter Jackson want to see this? Whereas if you came to me today and is like, Peter Jackson's doing a three hour plus adaptation of King, remake of King Kong. I'm like, I'm fucking there day one. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, I, I feel like it's a relic of a blockbuster that will never get made again. <laughs> and if it is, it's not going to be for a while. Like it, yeah, this, it's gonna be. Uh, the the Hollywood like zeitgeist just won't like allow it to happen, you know. I mean, there's a we're we're, we're doing this mainly because Kong versus Godzilla is on the horizon. That trailer looked fun. We are both defenders of Godzilla 2014. Was that the year that movie came yeah, out? Yeah, 2014. Uh, 2014 and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Like we're we're already on board. We both hate Kong Skull Island, but hey. <laughs> yeah. um, we but and that you know Kong versus Godzilla looks fun. Um, it looks interesting. Uh, but it also looks like every other blockbuster. <laughs> like, yeah, like I I don't want to spend too much more time on that because I do want to dive into like we can't do like a beat by beat breakdown of King Kong because then we will be here for as long as the actual runtime. I'm of the gonna movie. fucking try. That's I'm gonna try. I, my I, best. I I oh my god, but but I I just want to say. Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whichever iteration it is right now. Um, the trailer was awful, but the movie does <laughs> the, the movie does look like oh yeah, that could be a fun time. It's hard to tell because the trailer was so awful. I don't know. I thought it looked fucking fun as shit. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It looked dumb as hell. No, no, yeah, you, but, but like I'm 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 with that, you know. You're not you can't do Kong versus Godzilla and be and have the same vibe that you would have for twenty fourteen Godzilla, you know? Like that's not. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could, but you that 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 boat sailed. That boat is long gone. <laughs> if you want something a little closer to Godzilla twenty fourteen, it's like a little more heady. Check out Shin Godzilla. Oh, Shin Godzilla, fantastic movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. And like a day after the Godzilla versus Kong trailer dropped, uh, they dropped Shin Ultraman. That trailer for Shin Ultraman, which is on the horizon, yeah, and the same people. That that looks so. that looks cool. I have no touchstone for Ultraman. I've never gotten into uh, Ultraman, so for me, I, I haven't fun. I haven't gotten there Ult- yet. You know, Ultraman's fun. It was just like, what if a what if there was a kaiju movie every week? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Thirty minutes long. Yeah, he, Ultraman just fights monsters. Oh, okay, like, great. I'm in. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's like a forerunner to stuff that would like eventually become like you know like power rangers and shit like that oh okay see i missed the boat in power rangers when i was younger you know i yeah yeah i kind of did too but i I like that 2017 movie like it's not like great i was just like yeah this is yeah it was okay yeah it's nice the cast was was good it had better character than a lot of similar films yeah which is like which is it's one of these things where like the bar just keeps getting lower for mainstream blockbuster movies yeah and and again not to not to just talk about the the modern blockbuster but like revisiting king kong after some recent stuff i revisited heading into the monsterverse showdown it was just like wow like the quality leap is it's one of the best ones i've had recently (laughs) like i i'm in love with this film from like moment one you know (laughs) and it just it's so long (laughs) but i i love like if you're not into it it's going to be a drag for you. And I, I can kind of understand that. Like it takes like an hour to get to skull Island. And I think people see that as like a negative, but I don't know. I kind of love that. It really takes its time too much time, yeah. arguably, but like it definitely takes its time and just like lets you sit in how like awful the depression was a uh, hundred years <laughs> ago now. And also yeah. right now, 
Um, yes. Um, <laughs> so which well, is, time is a flat circle? A, yeah, time, uh, oh boy, is it? Uh, so it's maybe the perfect monster movie for right now. <laughs> honestly, uh, um, maybe. But here's the thing: if you are a fan of monster movies and you don't like Peter Jackson's King Kong, I will kick your ass. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I will beat you <laughs> because. There is, there are no three-hour monster movies. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> they never did it again. <laughs> They've never, they never did it before. They haven't done it since. This is the epic monster movie. <laughs> so you have to respect it. <laughs> Maybe you prefer the theatrical cut. I'm fine if you want to go theatrical overextended. That's perfectly fine. But you have to stand up and respect this fucking movie because they never did this movie ever again. <laughs> I will say, in opposition to how I feel about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I do prefer the theatrical, but I definitely appreciate the extended because if you like this movie, how could you not, you know? Yeah. Whereas like with Lord of the Rings, well, I want the extended all the time. <laughs> yeah, the extended like puts back in like all the shit that they arguably shouldn't have cut from some of those movies. Yeah, yeah. Like they make them cuz I honestly I as a kid I had difficulty getting into the Lord of the Rings films until I saw the extended versions. Cuz then like oh like all the character stuff fits a lot better. Mm. Whereas the King Kong extended version was literally like they just put like three or four monster sequences back in. Yeah, and the monster right. stuff in this is like I, the CGI, um, I, w- I was watching uh, the the digital 4K, shout out to Matt Brown who hooked me up with that, and like you could see some of like, more of the seams and stuff like that, but it gets the job done, Yeah, and the action is like continuously thrilling. Like The problem is that, yeah, it probably was just too much in the middle there. Yeah. Well, it's the thing where you were worried about us having to talk forever about this movie. The thing is, it's all front-loaded with story. And then it just turns into a bunch of monster sequences, one after the other, for, like, a solid 90 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like, occasionally interrupted by the budding relationship between Andero and fucking King Kong. And, but, like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's just wild. This would be, like, really, if I could do, like, my, like, if someone was, like, you can remake... Jaws and do whatever you want with whatever budget you want. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I would probably have the same attitude as Peter Jackson, where it's like, I wouldn't want to remake Jaws, but then at the same time, I wouldn't want someone else doing it and fucking it up. <laughs> so, like, I would say it, and it would be like, all right, it's going to be a three hour epic. I'm going to, we're going to show you the Indianapolis. <laughs> We're gonna, you're gonna learn what Matt Hooper's home life was like growing up in a rich family where he was probably the weirdo who wanted to like go into science instead of banking. You're gonna see Chief Brody, what he, what he was like as a cop on the streets of. Se- it also, it's gonna be a period piece. It's gonna be set in seventy in the seventies, you know. <laughs> so it's also gonna be about fucking Nixon. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna just. I'm just going to put all this shit in there. The monster is not going to show up until 90 minutes in. Like, it's all a build up to that. Um, the mayor, of course, is going to be dealing with the mob. I'm definitely going to indulge in that. I'm going to add 20 more people that will just die. Like, it's just, it's it's what happens if you give 
that sort of power to someone like me or Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of the characters in this, like on the boat, uh, yeah, they are just kind of there to die. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. But then they also get tons of character development. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like this this monstrous cruelty that you get from like uh, I don't know, like I think twenty fourteen and King of the Monsters are a lot meaner than people recognize, which is part of the yeah, reason yeah. I love them. <laughs> but um, like I don't know, like if you want like your characters to really feel like the overwhelming uh like force of nature and how like. Like, oh, they just can't make a mark against something like that. Yeah, kill off a bunch of them, you know? You don't, yeah. You don't want to overstuff this shit, which is hilarious because this is, like, the peak of overstuffed cinema. This is the definite... You go to the dictionary, look up overstuffed, it's just a poster for Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> yeah. it, just, it just falls out of the dictionary, and now you have a nice poster. <laughs> and it's just... Uh... It's just I, I'm just I'm I'm constantly amazed that this movie exists, which is like the one thing where I will defend it, even in the face of the scene where it's like, oh, I guess Pete decided to keep in the horrible racism. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is like the one moment that like you just can't defend. Like, yep, yep. Uh, I think that I'm sure someone smarter than us could figure out how to like weave through that tight thread of. Well, the racist I, honestly, stuff in King Kong. Yeah. It didn't happen here. <laughs> There's some subtext in this movie, which is that if you look at Skull Island, Skull Island, the the way they made it in this movie, it's it's like an island that was once once much bigger, and now it's sinking into the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole look. So whenever you're looking, there's like this whole lost civilization that you see, like all these like giant buildings that are behind the wall where King Kong rules. So you get this hint that there was once this great lost civilization, maybe like Atlantis or something, that once existed here. That So like maybe there was like, you know, the Roman Empire equivalent of, you know, an African empire or something that wasn't destroyed, you know, out of hubris or because of horrible Western beliefs that black people couldn't form their own civilization but because of horrible environmental conditions that caused the island to collapse, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit there. There's something there. And fortunately, all the black indigenous people look like monsters. Yeah, and I'm... Are are some of them, like, blackface? I think there's a couple. I know that some aren't. Like, some very clearly aren't, but some are kind of like... That little girl looks like she's under a lot of makeup. Uh-huh, <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, there's movie makeup, and then there's blackface. There's a yeah. difference. Uh, but the, <laughs> so. I can say there is actual blackface in the movie, um, which is, like, the one moment where the movie tries to, like, have its cake and eat it, too, where when we get to the uh, Kong, the eighth wonder of the world Broadway show, uh, like, Baxter comes out, and, like, they do, they, they do which is actually kind of fun... They have all the original costumes from the original Kong when they go to the island, and they're playing the original Kong music mm-hmm. as, like, the fake version of what happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and those all those actors are in blackface um, that are up on stage. They're supposed to be, like, the natives or whatever. And it's trying to be, like, look how racist this all is. <laughs> you know, it's, like, trying to be that. And it's also, like, hey, Pete, <laughs> like... Maybe watch 
uh, two hours ago <laughs> in your own movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh yeah. Yeah, like, you know, there's there's literally a scene in this movie where, like, a, uh, uh, like a black monster person, which is what they are made to look like, is shot down by her heroic white person, and it is, like, the hero shot in the movie. Yeah, that, that's... And it's it's very unfortunate because like oh this is like so well directed and then you're like oh wait the context is so yeah. awful. <laughs> you get the sense though that Peter Jackson is just not a guy that thinks about those things. Yeah, because yeah, that's he true. also left in a lot of the racial coding in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. which it, to him it feels like well I'm just going with what Tolkien said, and it's like yeah Tolkien might have been racist, Pete. Yeah, like, <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Yeah, it's it's that liberal thing. It's like, well, you know, it's just always been that way. And it's like, we know. <laughs> we know. That's the problem. I did see the original King Kong in theaters like a year or two back. On a double feature with them, it was great. Really? Oh, my uh, God. I, I've This was my first King Kong 2005 film. I, I, oh, really? Yeah, I seeked right. out the original after having seen this because I was like, well, you know, yeah. I, I gotta. And, uh, yeah, All obviously, right, so the, I love that, too. The extended cut of Kong is 200 minutes. The original cut of the original Kong is 100 minutes. <laughs> so Peter Jackson literally doubled the movie. <laughs> and then also, just anyone out there, you under no circumstances have to see the 70s King Kong. No, you do not. Jeff Bridges is in it. He's a little fun. That movie is terrible. Yeah, no. Like, I think it made the rounds on Twitter recently where it was like, oh, yeah, you expect, like, a movie this weird to be, like, fun bad? And it's just, it just sucks. It's just boring. It's not, yeah. I think there's a part where Giant Kong blow dries the woman that he's in love with while he's holding her. And it's, like, shot really sexily. (laughs) And, like, see, (laughs) that sounds sounds funny. But when you watch the movie, it just, there's nothing there. It's a lifeless film, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. You know, because, like, I think King Kong is one of these films that could be remade, like, every, like, 50 years or whatever. Like, that would be kind of fun to see a new iteration of it. But, um, yeah, don't watch that one. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, you want to hear something Want hear something funny, King Kong related? Um, doesn't have anything to do with Peter Jackson's King Kong. Kind of does. But, uh, so, the original King Kong is made by RKO Pictures, which is a studio that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, in the seventies, the head of Universal, Sid Sheinberg, and the head of Paramount, Barry Diller, both get the idea to remake King Kong at about the exact same time. And then once Jaws becomes a big hit, it's like, all right, we got to fast track this thing. Um, Dino De Laurentiis quickly buys the rights to King Kong. Of course, he and does. He ma- and so he's like, all right, someone make me the best offer, and Paramount makes the best offer. Universal goes, sues, and argues and wins that uh, King Kong is in the public domain. That they successfully argue that King Kong is in the public domain, that anyone can make a movie, but by then, the Paramount picture is already being made, it's too late, but... Uh, they, so This is like this thing where Universal has been like, because Universal ends up making the Peter Jackson King Kong. So it's been like this goal of theirs forever to finally get a King Kong out there. Um, a couple years later, the arcade hit Donkey Kong comes out. <laughs> Fuck, and fucking Sid Sheinberg d- 
decides, all right, I still have this rights to make a King Kong movie we never made. I'm going to sue Nintendo. (laughs) And I'm going to say, you owe us money because Donkey Kong is King Kong. It's the same thing. And he sues him. They go to court, but then he loses because of his own fucking lawsuit (laughs) he brought against Paramount. (laughs) So that's why Donkey Kong is still okay. (laughs) Even though Donkey Kong is straight up King Kong. (laughs) That's just one of those funny Hollywood stories. Yeah, but now Donkey Kong has a bunch of friends and he's pals with Mario and Sonic and all them, right? So Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Everything's great. And now Universal has Super Nintendo Land. Oh, yeah. And I believe they Universal also has the rights to all the uh, Nintendo films. Um, they're going to be producing all the Nintendo adaptations that come that are always talked about and never get made. Yeah, well, so, Illumination is making the Super Mario Brothers movie, so... Yeah, they won't fuck it up. Should we talk about uh, some of the actors in this? Yeah, um... Let's start with Jack Black. I want to start with Jack Black. Okay, I was going to start with Naomi Watts, but... No, no, because Naomi Watts deserves, like... I feel like we should build up a little bit. Okay. Um, But we also have to start high, so let's start with Jack Black, (laughs) who is a wild choice, but a great choice. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's great in this. I I remember... Of of many of the things I remember about the, the era of this film, I remember there are lots of criticism about Jack Black being not believable. Uh, everyone can go to hell. Jack Black is great in this movie. Jack Black is like, he is fucking in the pocket as like young Orson Welles. Yeah, that's who like, he is. He's, he's he's 100% young Orson Welles. If or, Orson Welles was like, I want to make a monster movie. Yeah. Like, and, and a little sleazier. Like, definitely. Yeah. Um, but no. Only by a fraction, to be honest. <laughs> like, but no, he's, he's great. The film does such a good job of showing him as like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. And then we're going to do this. Oh, you didn't bring that up before. Oh, well, you know, we have to get the ship to go to the island. And, like, how he's just, like, weaseling his way through stuff. Yeah, that scene that scene is terrific. Where he's just, you know, yeah, like, you can see how he got people to be it. And it comes in the... It, it gets really good later where... Because Colin Hanks is Preston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is right hand man. And as people keep dying... He's like, I'm going to dedicate this film to his wife and kids. And, like, there's just this, as it keeps going on, there's just this great cut to Colin Hanks where, like, he's looking around and he's realizing, like, I'm the last guy that could get dedicated to. Yeah. So I better fucking live, like, because I don't want a film fucking dedicated to me. I want to live. Um, now he's terrific. I don't know how people, but again, I do remember being in theaters and, like, when he comes on screen, people laughed. Because he's comedy Jack Black, you know? Yeah. And I think this is, like, a weird time where Jack Black was, like, trying to stretch a little bit. He does, like, the holiday the next year. Um, and I think School of Rock, which is a film I rewatched recently and um, maybe doesn't hold up as well as some people think it does. How dare you? Uh, not in terms of, like, I love the ragtag, let's put a band together type thing. I maybe don't like... Uh, the portrayal of the nagging girlfriend character and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. the a lot of the gay stereotypes in the film. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I got a lot of questions about Mr. Link later. <laughs> Cause then it's his follow up to that was like, I'm going to remake fucking the bad news bears. Oh my God. Which, he did uh, do that. Didn't he? Yeah. Which um, is not a movie. 
that should be remade. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, like, right after that, and it's kind of like this sign of, like, oh, you know, maybe he can do more. And I feel like he tries to stretch a little bit, and I feel like maybe the backlash was a little strong, and he never really tried again. Like, other than that movie, that other Linklater movie, Bernie, I don't think he ever really tried to stretch um, his acting chops. Yeah, which, which is too bad. And he's already talked about uh, as recently as 2020 about retiring soon. And, yeah. um, you know, whatever. He, he can do whatever he wants. He seems like a good guy. Maybe he's a horrible monster. Who knows? But, you know, like, I, I like him as an actor, and I think that would be a shame. Um, uh, unless it's, like, what he really wants. I think he is more upset than anyone else on planet Earth that the Jumanji movies have been a big hit. <laughs> Why do you think that? <laughs> Because, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I'm going to do this Jumanji shit. It's like all my, you know, because when you get, when you become a bankable star, all you get offered are like big blockbuster movies. Because you're not just the one who's going to get paid. Your agents are going to get paid. Mm-hmm. All your hangers on are going to get paid. So he's probably like, all right, fuck it. I'll do this Jumanji movie. I'll get a big payout. All my people will be happy. It will bomb. And then I will go back to doing films I actually want to do. <laughs> And then it's like Jumanji made eight hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> they both like almost touched a billion dollars. It's fucking nuts. It's like, all right, I'll do the sequel, and it's like it made only a hundred million dollars less. <laughs> and it's like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like you can just feel him being like, I want to do maybe movies that aren't this anymore. But ever since Kung Fu Panda, he's like, I can only do big movies, and it's a it's a shame. Um, he wants to do the Tenacious D sequel. <laughs> <laughs> now, does that movie hold up? Absolutely not. But it's <laughs> um, I, I find that movie, it has its moments. Okay, I don't even remember liking it when it first came out. So, like, I'm not in the bag for that or anything. I just thought... It's, the humor of it is, like, you could only do that in the year it came out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's one of those. Uh, best to leave it but, in the past, then. Oh. Uh, yeah, but uh, he's a he's an interesting choice for this movie. Yeah, he's like the definition of like unorthodox for this movie. Um, yeah, but no, I I really do think he's he's great in this, and I I still wish he he got his uh his flowers for this just as as that saying goes because he yeah I'm I'm a big Jack Black remember that fan. Scene, remember that scene in the movie when uh after Kong has escaped and he's standing on the stage alone. That's him after the first weekend box office came in for Jumanji. <laughs> no. Jack Black, I will cast you in something. You know who as an action hero. Jack Black is great. You know who fucking sucks in this movie? I I think I know who you're gonna say. I, I'm noticing Adrian Brody. Yep, you gotta what you don't like Adrian Brody, huh? Um you know what? I, I have nothing against him, but the two movies we've talked about that have him in it are also, like, the only two Adrian Brody movies I've watched in, like, the past <laughs> five years of my life. Oh, wait, I rewatched The Village. He's also awful in The Village. Oh, well, that, um, that character just, like, is a problem in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that there's a lot of problems. But it's, like, this and, like, Predators, he's, like, the weak link in both movies. <laughs> and But here's the thing. I almost feel like that's intentional with this movie where he's such a nothing that you're like, of course she's going to fall in love with King Kong. No, honestly. Okay. Okay. That's in my notes. I think 
his role is like usually assigned to the stereotypical woman love interest in these yeah. big action epic films, right? And so it doesn't mean it like makes him interesting, but I think that was intentional too. And it doesn't mean it's like a great performance or even a great role. But I don't know. There, there's something there. I, I like him in this. I don't think he's he's bad in Predators either. Um, I don't even know if it's him. I just the character is not super interesting. No, totally. Like there's there's, it, it, I don't get it either. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess I, I get that the movie's wavelength of it, but it's not. He's not like fun to talk about. Whereas, like, with other characters here, it would be like, oh, yeah, they bring up Heart of Darkness. Uh, uh, and Darrow with the, the relationship with King Kong. <laughs> we were talking about how great Jack Black is as young Orson Welles. Colin Hanks has more going on with him than fucking Herb, the loyal cameraman. <laughs> who's like, I lost my leg filming a movie with Carl, and he's still loyal to him. Like, that guy's got more going on than Jack Driscoll. Yeah, no, I mean, Jack Driscoll's just, like, not... He's not enticing. The the captain, there's like a roguish, charming nature to him, you know? Yeah, and he's also like a smuggler, and he's got like this like really seedy side to him. Yeah, like. he's like like Jack Driscoll, like he's someone you kill off to set the stakes, you know? Yeah. Like in a modern movie, it's like, this is a suave action hero. Uh, well, he's not even an action hero, which is like fine. I don't, I don't need that for the character. But then sometimes yeah. the movie starts trying to pit him in that direction, you know? They put him up against Kyle Chandler as Bruce Baxter. Yeah, Kyle Chandler is fucking spectacular in this. He's he's a lot of fun. Also, there's a clip in the behind the scenes featurette where like he almost fucking like assaults a crew member. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, and there's like because they uh you know they did like it it has one of those like kind of like Lord of the Rings where they have these like extensive behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like they're filming the day. Remember like there's the there's the gray uh chase sequence where there's the stampede there's the great stampede in the valley scene in this movie yeah um and uh they so like they made these guys run on like green screen treadmills for like hours oh my god and you see everyone losing their mind and like some poor guy comes in to like shoot the special and, like be like hey how are you doing with the behind the scenes and he's just like get the fucking camera out of my face <laughs> oh poor guy <laughs> Like he doesn't, he doesn't like assault the guy, but you could tell like if that guy hadn't listened, there would have been bloodshed that day. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh. And I'm not, I'm not even saying like how dare Kyle Chandler act like that. I can tell he was that probably was a rough day of filming. Yeah, and you know, like that, that just happens sometimes. But yeah, if he assaulted him, that'd be a I different mean, story. There's also a scene where like it's Jack Black, and they give him the uh, the camera tripod he has to carry for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like they're like, oh, we got like this actual old tripod. It's like a functioning tripod that they would have used in that era. And he's like, oh, this is cool. And he's like picking it up. And he's like, wait, what the fuck am I going to do when I have to run away from fucking dinosaurs? <laughs> and then they cut to him running with it on the green screen. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, Jesus Christ. Oh, but this movie must have been kind of hell to film. I feel like, you know, like all of you, Peter Jackson's <laughs> stuff might be hell to film in that era. Yeah. Well, you can see like the when they do the log scene. There's also behind the scenes footage where they just put the actors on the log and just like shook it. Like, <laughs> like no one seems to be acting. They all look in genuine peril and pain. Like, <laughs> and then Pete's like, "Yeah, that looks fine." Well, here, okay, uh, to get back to the character stuff a little bit, 
I'll say to this is my my take on the Jack Driscoll character, who is basically worthless. But I think that he's you know he's a writer who uh, Anne Darrow says he has caught the voice of the common people, but it's very clear that he is also not of the common people and doesn't really have that yeah. much of an interest in them. And so his journey on the film is almost like him having to or ending up um, getting in touch with the common people on the ship. Like he ends up looking after uh, the Jamie Bell character, Jimmy, you know, and yeah. that's really all I got. That's 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 it. But I thought that it was something. Been, it, sh- it should have been Barton Fink. <laughs> Just put Barton Fink in this movie. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, then then this would be the greatest film ever made. This is how I serve the common man. Like, who's that speech? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and then John Goodman shows up, and there's a fight between John Goodman and King Kong, and you don't know who's going to win. I will show you the it's life of the in- mind! Yeah, it's as intense as the three T-Rex battle. <laughs> like, it would be. It fucking would be. That's why... That's why that fucking Kong Skull Island sucked, because fucking he's in Look, that, you told me not to bring up that movie. You brought know, it up, like, three times. I'm trying not to go I down know. that rabbit hole. I, I won't. Okay. I'm just saying, like, he's in that movie, and you, 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 it should be against the law to waste John Goodman. It should be against like, the law to waste everyone who was wasted in that film. And yet... Especially John Goodman. Like, like that, it's just like, all right, you go to prison for life. You waste John Goodman, you get executed. <laughs> Look, not, not only that, you have a scene where John Goodman and Samuel L. Jackson face off against each other verbally. Yeah. And it's not like the fucking shit, you know? Yeah. It's not the coolest moment in that movie. It should, How yeah, it dare should they? It's the greatest moment in cinema. Yeah. Like, it should have been Jackson versus... Goodman versus Kong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, the title of the movie should have been. Yeah, and then John C. Riley pops up. There you go. You got a four-way title fight. Yeah, and no, I'm saying like, here's what like I, I since like the new Kong versus Godzilla looks like it's gonna be total schlock. Um, what I want is I want John C. Riley to show up and just be like, my grandfather and Kong <laughs> were way back. <laughs> like, okay, that's yeah. The scene. I want that <laughs> That would be great, yes. They won't do it, but it would be perfect. Because yeah. fuck it, you know? Yeah. And he's like, John C. Riley's the one who genuinely walks away with that movie, like, looking good. Yeah. He's he's the one. Because well, he, he's also someone where it's like, they don't ask him to do those type of movies. He's like Jack Black in this, you know? Where it's like, everyone in that movie, even Goodman, it's like, they've done their blockbuster every now and then. And it's like John C. Riley is like only comedy blockbusters and awards films. <laughs> like those are like the two. Eh, whatever. Fuck Hollywood. You brought up Colin Hanks as Preston. Uh, I I think he's like great in this. To, to talk about the other cast members now, he's he's really really good. He doesn't have like a huge role. Oh, I do too. Like yeah, I, I don't know why he hasn't had like a bigger career. because uh, he starred in the oh. sixth season of Dexter. Hello, whore. Oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, All right. um, um, but he's he's good. He cannot save the bad stuff he's in sometimes, but I'm a Colin Hanks fan. He did a, he did a great uh, documentary about Tower Records. Oh, really? Which everyone should I know. seek out, yeah. Oh, I, I gotta write that down. I didn't know he, like, was a filmmaker. Yeah, he, he's doing the thing that, uh, like, everyone in Hollywood seems to do when, like, their career stalls now, which is, I'm gonna make music documentaries. Hey, I mean, hey, if it pays the bills. Yeah. Not hating the players. See, I need to get famous enough that my career can stall, and then I can do a documentary about laser discs. 
We should talk about Andy Circus. Oh, Andy. I don't know how he hasn't come up yet. Like, that's insane. Um, I mentioned him once, but um, that was it. Yeah, uh, Andy Circus <laughs> is one of our greatest actors. I genuinely yeah. believe that. He almost single-handedly pioneered an entire new approach to acting through motion capture. Uh, he's he rules. He's the only reason I'm really excited for the new Batman movie because he's Alfred. <laughs> like, yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, like, that's exciting too because it's like he's just a good actor. Actor, you know, he can do yeah. like everything. Oh, and then he he's directing Venom too. Which okay, yeah. why not? Get your money. Why not? I I liked his uh, Jungle Book because it was criminal and no one should have been allowed to make that movie, but. Yeah, that's like a really mean-spirited, violent film. Yeah, that that would be a mean-spirited, dark movie for an adult. <laughs> like, that's one of the f- most fucked-up films I've seen ever. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not joking. That's a fucked-up movie, and they let him make it. <laughs> so, he might be the perfect choice for Venom too. Then I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows but um but he plays lumpy the cook <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, sure that's a fun name and lumpy the cook i will say has the best line in the movie there's only one creature capable of leaving a footprint that size the abominable snowman Andy Serkis also plays King Kong. Yeah, Andy Serkis says King Kong is is a. I know people have like a hard time talking about motion capture performances because it's like how much of it is the computer, how much of it is the actor. It's in tandem. There you go. It's in tandem. Mm-hmm. It's it's both parts. Yeah, that's it. But I I I I have to say I think this was still the era where they were kind of faking it with motion capture a little bit, like. Where, like, I it's 25-75 instead of 50-50? I think it was more like it was 10-90. <laughs> like, from what I've read, like, I could be wrong because I don't really know special effects. I just know that they kind of overhyped how good Gollum was in terms of motion capture, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Gollum looks great. Gollum still holds up. But in terms of how much heavy lifting the motion capture did, I think it's a lot less than they maybe said in in terms of, like, trying to hype that movie. Um, and I think this is only, you know, a few years removed from that. And also, when is the Polar Express? Oh, God. Um, that that might be the same year as King Kong? Maybe a year after? Let me, let me look. I'm going to look that up. One year before. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> yeah, well, because the thing is, with that movie, is they jumped into it because they're like, all right, motion capture, it's the new way to make movies. We can make an entire movie using motion capture. And then they got into it and realized motion capture wasn't really there yet. <laughs> like, it kind of isn't until Avatar that, like, motion capture gets, like, great. You know? Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, The Adventures of Tintin is, like, the one good mocap movie. Speaking of Peter Jackson, because he was supposed to do this sequel. Oh, yeah. Of he says it could still happen. Uh, I don't really believe that. But, yeah. Uh, Sorry, PJ. It's one of those things where... I, I, I believe we'll probably talk about this more with Happy Amblin when in the next seven years when we get to it. But uh, had the Adventures of Tintin been the first mocap movie, it we would still be using that technology today. Like had that been the first one, I think it would have been a big hit. I, I think so too. Instead, we had like five years of fucking Polar Express and Beowulf. <laughs> and look, there's I like 
a handful of recent Robert Zemeckis movies, but he keeps going fucking back to that well, and he just he's never gotten motion capture down. And I think he's like yeah. tainting the well a little bit. I'm sorry. I know he's like a classic sure. filmmaker, and I like about half of his movies, but I I think he needs to stop that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> just please. I liked Allied. Oh, it's just a remake of Casablanca, <laughs> but I liked it. Yeah, I'm sure oh, that's an interesting take on Allied. Oh, I, uh, I want to bring up uh, Evan Park as Benjamin Hayes. Yeah, give him a good shout yeah, out. Yeah, he's good in this. Um, I haven't really seen him in anything else, unfortunately. But he's, I, he's unfortunately I just clicked on his Wikipedia and like his last credited film, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, as Shield Agent. Oh, that's really too and bad. A, and it's a lot of that if you look at his credits. Uh. Um, yeah, that's Which is fucking weird because he's uh, a good actor. I don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, I, uh-huh. fucking Hollywood and shit. That's probably it. Is he? Is, wait a minute. Is he the guard that gets shot in the face and kiss, kiss, bang, bang? Oh my god! Is that? Him? I think so. Oh shit! Oh, he's credited. Yeah. Oh my god! I just saw Dexter Clinic guard, and I was like, "Is that that character? Holy shit!" Um, he looks like he's done a lot of TV. Yeah. He's on Picard, I guess. Oh, wouldn't know. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I give I give the Alex Kurtzman stuff one shot, and then I'm out. So yeah, he also played the same character in the video game version of King Kong, and he was in Detroit Become Human. Oh, everyone loved Detroit Become Human. Yeah, what a great game. No controversies there. Um, None whatsoever. Oh, and shout out to Fred Taschiore, who is Taschior, Taschior, Fred. He's a just because he's a. That's on you. You try. Yeah, I try. That's on. Yep, yep. He's a he's a voice actor who, if you've seen any cartoon in the last twenty years, he's had a voice on it. So that's why I wanted to bring him up. He does the voice for Kong, and it's it's very convincing. I guess. Have you seen the clip of Andy Serkis on set in the gorilla costume? Yeah, it's fun. Where it's like him like yelling into a microphone to make the noises. Uh-huh. That's just one of that like things where you're like, that's again like you have to be Peter Jackson after Return of the King to get away with doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then he would repeat no would that in the Hobbit trilogy. Sorry, I was just like waiting. You fucker! <laughs> Didn't Andy Circus do like second unit on one of the Hobbit movies? Uh, I think he did second unit for like bits of all of them. You know, like it was kind of come yeah. and go because that's when he was starting to get booked and busy. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I just, well, I think he's in that behind the scenes clip where like when there's like that story where like Peter Jackson they're like, all right, just go film some things. I don't know how it's going to come together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that's a little depressing. Mm-hmm. I hope Peter. I just want Peter Jackson like come back and do something awesome. Yeah, you know? I, I, I'm rooting. I think I'm a rooting mid-budget for horror film would be what he should do. You know, like go back to his roots a little bit. Yeah. You know, like Shyamalan had to fund his own stuff after After Earth, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah. eventually, like he he funded his own stuff, but he the distribution deals were like with Blumhouse. So maybe Peter yeah. Jackson could do something like that. You know, if not that well, after, company specifically, fucking... just something else. 
after Mortal Engines, you know? Yeah. Yeah, i got to do a Mortal Engines podcast at some point. we got to find some way to do it. I like that movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's incredibly solid. <laughs> um, um, who's the, uh, what's that one guy's name? Oh, God, is he even credited? Uh, the old man at the vaudeville show. Uh, William Johnson. Yes. Yeah, as Manny, um, an elderly yeah. vaudevillian actor and colleague of Darrow. And I think he's. I think that actor has since passed away. Oh, that's um, too bad. He was also, I believe, he wasn't he Brooks in uh, Shawshank Redemption. He might be. Yeah, he passed away in two thousand sixteen. Mm. Good year to go out, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it doesn't look like he was. I might have gotten him confused with someone else. <laughs> yeah, because I, I googled William Johnson, and the first thing that comes up is Sir William Johnson, first baronet. So yeah, I'm looking, and yeah, it's no, that was James Whitmore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say. Yeah, it was way all off. white people look the same. All right, should we talk about Naomi Watts now? Yes, Naomi. King Kong came. Along, so I called David, and, and I'll never forget what he said. Naomi, anyone who sits in the hand of King Kong will be a movie star for life. That's what he said. So I said, okay. <laughs> what is the fucking deal with Naomi Watts's career? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I think the only person who fully understands her and her capabilities as one of our finest actresses is David Lynch. I think everyone else Possibly. is going to hit or miss. Uh, I would say Peter Jackson hit. I think he hit a home run, actually, <laughs> with no, her. No, I, I, she has done other good movies. Oh, no, no. Hey, she was in Movie 43. <laughs> everyone was in Movie 43, and it's because they were all blackmailed. I have no evidence of this. Yeah, I, but I think that's There's true. Some story. No, that, that's like the story, isn't it? Everyone signed on to do like some movie because someone else was in it or something like that. And yeah, yeah. it's like, it's like, and we joke about cursed films. I think that's actually a cursed film. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or at least uh, an illegal one. <laughs> but no, Naomi, Naomi Watts has been in good movies and she's been good in a lot of movies, even ones that are like not great. A great actress. Um, and she fucking Hollywood just lets her down at every turn, and I don't get it. She is she's so good great. that she's in the ring too, and I don't know if anyone else on the planet remembers that movie. It doesn't work. It's it's a, one of those completely unnecessary sequels. But she is so good in that movie for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, because she's good. She's a good actress. That's why she's fucking good in that movie. Uh, I also in Tank Girl. Oh, yeah, which is a movie that people have seen. And Children of the Corn 4, The Gathering. Aren't there like 16 of those? Yes. Why why are there that? (laughs) She was also in Babe, Pig in the City as additional voices. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta start somewhere. I respect that. Yeah, but that's after Tank Girl. But she's she's good. She she's really she good in this. She was Jet Girl in Tank Girl. 
Like, she just must have, like, the worst agent imaginable. I mean, maybe, you know. Like, every once in a while, you see, like, an actor or actress like that, and it's just like, why aren't they mm-hmm. bigger? <laughs> or why aren't they remember doing better movies? Be, remember when they shot the uh, the Game of Thrones pilot starring her? Oh, yeah. And then that was like, they just went, no. <laughs> Wait, no, it... Was that the one that got canceled? I know they were ready. Yeah, that was the one that got canceled. Okay. They're doing a different one. Oh, right. That's the one that didn't go. Oh, okay. Don't know why. Yeah. No one's going to care when that comes out, so... I don't know. I I think that we have yet to test that. All right. I mean, like, I, I'm still pro Game of Thrones, so maybe... I don't know. Who knows? Who the fuck knows I'm, anymore? I'm pro A Song of Ice and Fire. There, there you go. <laughs> But I'm also have no interest in whatever the fuck they do next. Like, just give me some books and I'll be good. Mm-hmm. Give me that book, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Naomi Watts' Ann Darrow is, is, is really good. She She's just got, like, this really deep, like, well of sadness. <laughs> and 12 years later, she'd be in the Book of Henry. Oh, my God. In which she also has seemingly an endless well of sadness, but that's probably yeah. just for having to be in the film. Here's how bad the movie Birdman is. Oh, we didn't bring it up at all. She's in it. I I know, and I I don't remember. <laughs> she she's great in this movie, uh, and you'll believe that a woman could harbor feelings for a giant monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know, everyone makes fun, like, oh, she wants to, like, fuck the monkey, but, like, no, that's not what the movie's about, you know? <laughs> it's not literally that, it's just, like, they form a connection. Yeah. That's, like, literally it. <laughs> and it's it's very sweet and sad, because it's a, it's a relationship that can't last because of external forces. It is interesting how the Kong thing has, like, shifted since the original, where Kong is just straight up a monster in the original, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you're a kid and you watch King Kong, you get sad when he dies. (laughs) Like, you're not happy about it. And, like, this just takes that, like, childhood feeling and just makes it like, no, we're going to make Kong, like, an actual character with emotions and feelings. Yeah, I think that's, like, what really sets us apart, apart from being a three-plus-hour film epic monster movie, (laughs) is that the character of Kong is a fully dimensional, like, being with, like, their own agency and their wants and needs, and he can't speak. <laughs> like, yeah. monsters, I think, need that personality. Like, part of the reason I like the, the recent Godzilla films, even um, the, 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 the American ones, and that Kong, uh, Kong, Godzilla has uh, <laughs> these little traits, you know? Like, in Shin Godzilla, it's just a horrifying, unstoppable monstrosity, but even that yeah, is Shin a personality. Godzilla, like, almost isn't even, like, a living thing, almost. Though, yeah, like... yeah. But even that is, like, almost a trait in and of itself. Like, the point is that yeah. it's, like, not human. <laughs> Whereas, like, in the 2014 and King of the Monsters, it's, like, Godzilla gets, like, tired and, like, sized. <laughs> Like, the end of 2014 is, like, he's tired, so he lays down to take a nap. Then he wakes up and wands into the ocean. And there's a big uh, jumbotron with a news camera on it saying, like, hero or villain? No, it says hero of the city. And then it doesn't matter because Godzilla doesn't give a fuck because he's nature now. (laughs) 
What a weird way to end that movie. No, I, I, oh, I can't, I can't get into that. But I think that totally. No, I works. like, the, I like it, but I, I just think it's fucking weird. Oh I'm no, just saying, it's very it's, weird. I think we can all agree it's incredibly strange. Yeah, yeah. No wonder they didn't want him to come back for the sequels. They're like, dude, yeah. this is bizarre. Let fucking let him make another movie, goddamn it. Yeah, he's working on something, but uh, now again, COVID held up like everything. So yeah. He's actually a good director. Yeah, just doesn't really know what to do with the human characters, but whatever. I don't need that all the time. Yeah. You know. Hey, well, yeah. So, like, make sure he makes movies that are maybe ninety minutes. <laughs> no, just no, let no, him no. Go fucking crazy. You, no, let him go crazy like like Peter Jackson on King Kong. I'm telling you. Yeah, but th- this movie has characters. Like, you still need characters. I, I I guess like I would say the character stuff in King of the Monsters is better than um his Godzilla. All right. But, like, the point in his Godzilla is that the characters don't really matter, you know? Which... It's weird how much Rogue One has, like, grown on me. It's Because a... it's also not a, like, working film, but it's, like, a good movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's weird. That's what's so interesting about that to me. It's almost, like, accidentally the case. But in Godzilla 2014, it's how the characters don't matter in the grand scheme of yeah. things. And in Rogue One, it's, like, how these small connections do end up mattering to the rebellion, yeah. uh, which is again kind of an accidental thing, but it works for me. So who cares? Yeah, it's a little, a little, a little off, but yeah. whatever, you know. And in King Kong 2005, the film we're here to talk about today <laughs> is all about the relationships, mostly. Also about a million other things at the same time. But Roger Ebert listed King Kong 2005 as the eighth best film of 2005. I see what you did there, Ebert. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's, I like that. <laughs> I see what you did there, Mister Ebert. I remember the the um at the movies did did this, and that was like I really looked forward to watching those little at the movie segments. You know, like seeing what did he was, new. was he still on then? Or no, I don't think he was on then. I think that's when he started getting sick, and so it was Roper. It was just Roper and like another okay. guest. They had on like crazy guests, like not Fred Armisen. Who the f- Fred Willard? Was a guest host. They had Kevin Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had Kevin Smith, but I remember Fred Willard was on there, and I was like, why the fuck is the dude from Anchorman reviewing yeah. movies? Well, that was that weird where they were like, we gotta make, we gotta make at the movies appeal to a younger audience, which is like the worst decision you could possibly make with at the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing just totally fell apart, unfortunately. Uh, um, but I had a lot of fun. Was it, was it A.O. Scott in the last like iteration uh, he was there a lot i think he was like the most recurring guest because they did just start swapping people out but i think he had like the longest well, they, tenor you know they did they were doing like they were swapping it out with uh with roper they were doing it what they were doing one swap out and then roper left and then it was the two bends oh yeah i hopped off after terrible. that yeah <laughs> and what Fucking, there was a Mank. It was Ben Mankiewicz. Oh, yeah. I actually like uh, uh, hearing him talk about movies, though. So. Ben Mankiewicz is all right. Yeah. Whatever. But then I believe it, the last two guys were uh, Michael Phillips and A.O. Scott. But I think they lasted like a year. <laughs> I remember the, like, the, very, the very end of that show was like, it was uh, what we do with like podcasting now. I think it was almost mm. ahead of its time, but it wasn't good either. You know what I mean? Like, where they would have guests yeah. on from different cities, and they would, like, have them r- radioed and called in for the segments on the mm. show. And it's, like, right on the cusp of beginning podcasting stages. 
and they like they had it but they didn't because the, the program was just boring and the, the voices were boring you know what i mean yeah so like well, that's, that's kind of interesting took it on ebert took it online remember mm-hmm. um he had an online version i think only last year because i think he got like like sick like right after that yeah like that was like the kind of final thing but it was like i forget who the two critics are it was a woman and some guy um and roger ebert would do his reviews but i think they got stacy keach to do ebert's voice Oh, so it'd be like Ebert in a chair typing, and then it would be Stacey Keach reading the review. <laughs> it was kind of great in a weird way. <laughs> God bless you, Ebert. I miss you, but I'm also glad you are not on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you know, some sometimes people's people's time is just up, and uh, it's probably for the best that you can't voice your opinions about the state of America at the moment. So Yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't have said anything totally online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who among us never becomes extremely online? He did pick a fight with gamers before it was cool to fight with gamers. Yeah. I mean that just like it, that was that was when it was uncool. Yeah. So like he came across as uncool, but now he's like a hero. <laughs> yeah, that that makes him like worthy of the Medal of Honor. <laughs> That's like, I, I talk about his review of Fanboys, where he's like, why would these losers waste their life <laughs> yeah. doing this? And he got, like, a ton of shit for it. And it's like, in retrospect, it was like, no beeper was right. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That I should frame that review. I'm going to print it out, and I'm going to frame it. That's great. That'll be in my office until the day I die. <laughs> Just as a reminder. Again, none of this has anything to do with King. No, King. I'm gonna be cutting a lot of this. Just re just l- release this as like the extended cut, and it's just us. No, I I totally am. Like, I totally am. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's kind of what this movie is, you know. But like, yeah. Well, it's like again, it's like it's very front loaded. We get like all this stuff with like the vaudeville and the depression and the film studio and all of this shit. And then let's like, all right, then we just run around from monsters for like the next 90 minutes. But again, it's like the the action direction is like really good. Like Peter Jackson is like a yeah. really fun director to watch, you know? No, that Ty, that Tyrannosaurus fight is incredible. Like that's still like a great sequence. Yeah. And it's like, and, it's pure excess, but it's so yeah. exciting and it doesn't feel it's like just excess. CGI, it's just CGI things fighting, you know? It's not like... There's nothing real in camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Naomi Watts flops around Occasionally, sometimes. but even then, <laughs> it's like there's a lot of, like, digital duplicates. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's fascinating. Because, like, you see movies that do this now and fuck it up. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it's, it's So it's just incredible to me that it still kind of works. Well, I mean, a big part of the problem nowadays is, and again, this is, I, I never ever want to put this on the shoulders of the actual workers and like VFX departments and stuff like that. Cause they're severely under respected and underpaid. Like a big problem with modern filmmaking is that like a lot of the stuff is previsd before they even hire a director, yeah. you know, they need to get like action sequences set up so the directors can just hop in and stuff like that. And Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. a big thing with, with his stuff was that he would also basically direct the CG sequences, right? Like, cause you know, that's what a well, director he- does. <laughs> Didn't he, uh, how should I say it? Like, didn't he kind of popularize previs with Lord of the Rings movies? Like, wasn't that him? I don't know if he was the one, but he definitely contributed to that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. But like again, he was overseeing is... that. Whereas a lot of yeah, the times exactly. it doesn't happen that way. It's like, you know, sorry to bring him up, but like Kevin Feige's got previs for like the next Avengers movie already, probably, right? Yeah. And then they'll hire a director later. And like like we're talking about with the action, like it's it's still like really well choreographed and directed. Like, even though it's it, it's 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 so like prevised, you know? Versus like mm. Some of the bigger monster stuff, you know, like that's why it took uh, King of the Monsters so long to get made because it wasn't like so heavily previs before Michael Dougherty came on board. Like he was there for that process, you know, mm-hmm. which is why it's honestly kind of a bummer to hear that people didn't like the action in that movie because I was like, no, you had a human being do that. Well, I, I let her uh, I don't want to get on a tangent, but there's certain some factions of film Twitter and letterbox. They claim they want things, and then when they get it, they reject it more violently yeah. than anything else. No, I, I think that's that's a common thing. I mean, you know, I mean, look at the Star Wars prequels because everything relates to Star Wars. That uh, mm. you know, like uh, think they work or otherwise, like they definitely delivered a thing that opened up new avenues to Star Wars and filmmaking as a whole. That's pretty cool, you know. Like, why not at least take what yeah, works and what doesn't? Yeah, everyone likes those now. Yeah, I know. That's kind of everyone awesome. Everyone likes those now. But uh, what I'm saying is, like, you see people go after... I don't... I feel like if I pick a name, I'll, like, cause something. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I could censor you it. See people, you see people go after an original director with nuclear weapons. <laughs> Whereas, like, they, they'll maybe take pop shots at, like, a very boring studio Yes Man. Like, I'm not saying they will like the studio Yes Man, but they freak out lo- bigger at the person who did an original project. Maybe it didn't work, but I just don't understand it, you know? Are you talking about... It's one of those things where, like, I, I, like, I guess I gotta throw something out there. Like, I didn't really like Tenant at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I will also, like, stand by it because I've never seen another fucking movie like Tenet. <laughs> and I would like for there to be more movies that make me see things I haven't seen before. And ultimately, I'm glad it took swings, that it, even though it missed, in my opinion, in some instances. And it's just a well-crafted film. Like, he knows how to fucking shoot a movie. It's like he makes it look easy, which <laughs> it isn't. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like people maybe go in on that more than maybe they should against, I don't know, let me pick a director at random, um, Paul W.S. Anderson, <laughs> who <laughs> is just a hack, and people seem to like try to hold him up as like, oh no, he's a schlock auteur. Whoa, I haven't heard this side of you before. Yeah. I'm not even going to fight you on it, I just like, I haven't heard you say that. People hold him up like that, but he sucks. <laughs> You didn't like Inherent Vice? Uh, no, I said Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's how fried my brain is today. I'm so sorry. I did mumble it, to be fair. No, no, no. You, you, you definitely said Paul W.S. Anderson. And my brain went, oh, yeah, Boogie Nights. <laughs> Well, yeah, film Twitter loves their Paul W.S. Anderson. I really hate Paul Thomas Anderson's Resident <laughs> Evil Extinction. <laughs> oh, 
known something when I said schlock auteur. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I was like thinking about it and I was like, I don't really think that fits him. <laughs> yeah, because it didn't. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> Well, <laughs> not everyone was here for that. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> wow. Oof. Uh, okay. It's a king card. <laughs> How do you even come back from that? <clears throat> uh, we could just hop to the end. Then it feels like we kind of yeah. I, covered I really, that. It's weird because like we kind of could we could go through things. But, like, why bother? <laughs> oh, okay, you know what? The one thing I do want to bring up is that apparently people have always been very disturbed by the bug sequence. They find it horrifying, gross, and oh, disgusting. Oh, yeah, the bug scene is horrifying. I, from a young age, I, I like you, I've always loved monster movies. I just thought it was awesome. It has never bothered me in the slightest. Like, it has never affected me to the point where my skin is crawling or anything. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is my monster movie action. And I don't know why I've never been able to, like understand that point of view so maybe you could explain cool. it to me that's cool i'm just gonna go write something down real quick what? watch watch out for diego what? all right <laughs> i i i don't know how you watch that scene in art just horrified like that's one of the most horrifying sequences in a pg-13 blockbuster film to ever happen I guess I don't know. Like, it's just bugs picking people apart as they're still alive. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's horrible. But like, it's never like scared me or anything. Like, people talk about it like it's the most horrific thing they've ever seen. You know, I can't help. You. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe something's wrong with me. You should just know. <laughs> this is one of those things. Uh, but you know, I, you know the story that. Uh, there was that sequence is in the movie because there originally was a bug sequence in the 1933 Kong, but they cut it out because it was too violent. Yes, and Peter That's Jackson was like, "I'll fucking show them." Yeah, not only did he do that, he went back and shot his own version of the pit sequence for like using the technology for 1933 Kong. God, that's amazing! What a fucking <laughs> nerd! I love it. Feature. Yeah, and I know I know there are people who have edited it into the 1933 con, which is interesting. Uh, I will uh, say that seems horrifying, the... Diego. You're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> no, I will say the worms um, are a little gross. The worms are t- fucking awful. <laughs> it's all awful. It's terrible. Ugh, I don't like it. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, but some fun. Char- like we don't really talk about the character that much. Uh, character stuff in that much in this movie like apart from the opening because you're right the middle of it is just kind of action stuff but i like that um oh fuck what's the guy's name like kyle chandler the bruce baxter character gets this like yeah. arc where he's like a a very self-obsessed narcissistic action movie star and then he gets to become that action movie like hero like that's kind of fun you know like that's a cool little yeah. mini arc in the middle of this movie like he's even swinging around in the rope, shooting the bugs down and stuff. Like that was that's yeah, he gets just to cool. be a hero, and he's still an asshole. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. It doesn't like absolve him of anything, but it, it's just kind of cool. And I just like that that 
actor gets to face off against Kong twice. But I do like the twist in the uh, Eighth Wonder of the World sequence when Andero like isn't the woman there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a very like good like tense sequence. You know? Yeah. Um, it's just a good movie. I don't know what the fuck to tell you, fucking people. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, the, um. It, it's it's fucking great it's maybe one of the greatest honestly in my opinion like i i not even trying to use hyperbole like i've don't watch a lot of movies that impact me or get me as yeah. invested as this movie re- often you know i stand by it because it's the only monster movie epic that really exists um it has a big black mark in terms of racism yeah yeah someone's got to do like a, a king kong like a adaptation giant... where they fix that at some point <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if you can. There's kind of something with the King Kong character. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. like, it's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, it's like a giant bowl of ice cream with a little bit of dog shit in it. <laughs> but this one's a really big bowl of ice cream. Like, you're not going to see it unless you yeah. eat the entire bowl. You're going to get sick after you eat it. Not just because of the dog shit. <laughs> just because it's a lot of ice cream. Yes. <laughs> um... I found myself very taken with all the New York stuff in the finale. And uh, New York looks great. I think they did like an actual like recreation of the entire island of Manhattan 1930s. Like they found like old pictures to make it match. Yeah, yeah. Not that you really needed to, but hey. Yeah, you know, every little bit helps, I guess. Again, you're playing with like the casino's money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But no. I can do whatever. Um, Twas beauty killed the beast at the end. There you go. That's yeah. Nice. Oh, and um, this is... But I gotta be honest, it it was the air. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Um. Like, I, think, I think specifically in this version more than any, yeah, it yeah. was the airplane. Yeah, that comes from like the maximalist excess of Peter Jackson's story direction more than anything, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a sad note, um, but I think kind of sweet also, that uh, the original Anne Darrow, Faye Ray, uh, was supposed to have the last line of dialogue, but she passed away in pre-production at the age of 96. Yeah. Um, I thought that would have been nice, but yeah, unfortunately, she uh, passed away, and so, oh well. That would have been really good. I mean, it's just crazy that, like, She's, like, one of the first Scream Queens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like just one of the most important kind of movie stars ever. Mm-hmm. And that's would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that I, I think that would have been great in its own way. But I do really like that it's Jack Black that gets to have the final yeah. moment. Like, it's his, his full, like, realization. Who, instead of fleeing the island of Manhattan because the fucking cops are going to be after him, decided <laughs> to go to the crime scene. But hey, he's a broken shell of a man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a good ending, and it's also sad because no one is like emotionally better off where they are at the beginning. I guess you know, like maybe Anne Darrow can like live happily with her bimbo, you know, her him her himbo himbo. No, they didn't get together. No, after that, no, he's not a himbo. No, no you're right. He, he's a uh, she. He's her Mako. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mako's better, but, uh, you know, Jack Driscoll is what he is, and, you know, mm-hmm. you lose the monkey, and Andero goes, you'll do. So. 
Yeah. I don't think they're going to stay together. I think that's maybe just like, I need someone to help me off this fucking building. <laughs> yeah, but if she marries him and then divorces him, she can get half his stuff and that's he's a, wealthy. That's so. a long elevator ride down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, King Kong, 2005. There's probably a lot of other stuff we could have talked about with it, but we didn't, so too bad. We didn't, because we're not that podcast. No, no, but... um. I really do love this film, and I hope if people did not like it when they first watched it, that they give it another chance. That they go fuck themselves. No, keep giving it another chance. And Bunch of cowards. It, it is a film filled to the brim with passion, excess, some of the craziest blockbuster filmmaking you'll ever see in your lifetime, uh, and an oddly, deeply sad ending that... Makes me happy just because of how successful it is as a film. And a giant gorilla that just fucking punches a T-Rex in the yeah, face. Two T-Rexes, and then it breaks one's face on its face. It's like, yeah, it's interesting. A lot happens in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on that note, Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And I might, I hopefully I will be streaming again on Twitch by the time this comes out. Yay. Um, yay. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. Where you can get breaking news. Oh my god. Six arrested after changing Hollywood sign to say Holly Boob. <laughs> <laughs> Just to date the episode. Yep. <laughs> you can get early access to other episodes of other retrospectives, other podcasts we're doing here on the podcast. Um uh, COVID's still happening at the time of this recording and release of this episode, unfortunately. So stay safe, stay inside, take care of each other, and uh, we have been professionally unprofessional. Fuck you, Garcetti. <laughs>